0: of done with the tears. I barely have any rage left. I'm not enraged. I mean, I'm in a cussing mood. So I think I've cussed more than I have in a while this last week. But it's more, I feel literally, utterly determined.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm your host, Nick LaPara. And this this is a very sad day in America. These last few days have been incredibly heavy. This is not going to be a fun episode, friends. If you are looking for fun, I'm happy to recommend other podcast episodes or other podcasts entirely because this episode is not going to be fun. I hope you'll stick around because we have a lot to learn from our guest this week. The topic is matter is obviously heavy and huge and we all need to look at it and feel it and embrace it. But I just wanted to give you a fair warning that this is not going to be fun. I know we all have heavy hearts right now. We've lost a brother and fellow human, George Floyd. Murdered in broad daylight by Derek Chauvin while three or four other cops looked on and did nothing this one hits home harder than others for a few reasons he begged george floyd begged Derek to get off for several minutes he told him he couldn't breathe he said my stomach hurts my neck hurts everything hurts i'm about to die over and over again And that motherfucker of a cop didn't move. He just stayed there. The video, friends, probably most of you have watched it. The video is indescribably hard to watch because that didn't have to happen. There was no resisting arrest. There was only pleas for help. And power-hungry cops killed him. The second reason why it's hard to watch and why this one is so hard to experience is that's my old neighborhood. Not just my old city, my old neighborhood. My wife and I used to live two minutes from there. That target that was looted and burned, that was our target. That was our grocery store. That was our police precinct that was destroyed. I have stood exactly where George Floyd died. You know the rest of the story because you've been watching it on TV. They fired the four officers later that day, but it took them a couple of days to even arrest and charge Derek Chauvin with third-degree murder and manslaughter. The other three still haven't been charged or arrested. Many cities in our country are literally on fire. Our president is hiding in a bunker, He is tweeting out inflammatory statements and has not tried to console the country even once. Instead, he is stoking and provoking violence and fear and going after the media. And I have seen some videos of police kneeling with protesters, hugging protesters, helping protesters, speaking up on behalf of the protesters, expressing their disgust for the actions of Derek Chauvin. But for each one of those videos, I've seen 50 videos of police hurting peaceful protesters, inciting violence, and so much more. I'm tired, y'all. And I know that my black brothers and sisters are 100, 1,000 times more tired than I am. They've been putting up with this shit for hundreds of years. They've been hearing white people say, we will do better. We're trying this and that and the other for hundreds of years. And virtually nothing has happened. We see these videos every month, but the reality is that police are abusing black people every hour of every day. It's not the every month or every other month or every other week videos that we see. Those aren't it. The Ahmad Arbery's aren't it. The Breonna Taylor's are not it. The George Floyd's are not it. They are happening every single hour of every single day. They are just not getting caught on camera. So before I introduce my guest today, that's coming. Thanks for, thanks for hanging in there. A couple bits of advice for my white friends out there. This is a time for you to listen. This is a time for you to learn. You don't have to have a hot take on what's going on. You don't have to figure out why there is looting and rioting. You get to listen, learn, speak up, call out your friends and family that are downplaying what's happening here, We can't experience monumental change in our country if we don't give a damn about this, all of us, every single one of us, no exceptions, no exceptions. What you're seeing, so many of friends that I've talked to this week that aren't understanding what's going on here, they are looking at this one incident in an isolated way. They are seeing one murder and then one following set of events. But that's not what's happening here, friends. Go find a can of soda or a can of beer, right? It's carbonated. It's under pressure. Start pushing on it. Push on it really, really, really hard. When that thing finally explodes, you don't get to tell the soda where to go. You don't get to tell the beer where to go. You guys have seen those stupid TikTok videos right where they they put the rubber bands around the pumpkin and they get to 500 rubber bands, 600 rubber bands and you can see it compressing, you can see the tension growing and they don't know when it's going to explode and then finally rubber band 724 the, the 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 watermelon just explodes everywhere. That is a version of what's going on here. This is not an isolated incident. So listen, learn, speak up, call other people out. In love as much as you can, but be bold. This is a time for boldness. Okay, I love you all. Thanks for hanging in there. My guest today is Lisa Sharon Harper. As things escalated over the last few days, I rearranged my podcast release schedule because I knew we needed to talk about this. And as I thought of guests, as I made a short list, Lisa was at the top of it. I've admired her work for years. Lisa is the author of several books, including The Very Good Gospel, How Everything Wrong Can Be Made Right. We finish our conversation today talking about that idea and how that's possible when we look at everything that's happening right now. The Huffington Post named her one of the 50 powerful women religious leaders to celebrate on International Women's Day. She's a speaker. She's the founder of Freedom Road, her company. She's a playwright. She's a theologian. And she's just a rad lady. I really enjoyed my chat with her. Fair warning, there is no doubt in my mind that some of the direct things she shares will stop you dead in your tracks today, make you think deeply, will make you wrestle through whether or not you even believe that. And it may even make you figure out if you're even gonna, it'll it'll push you to figure out if you're gonna even finish the conversation with us. There's some hard stuff coming. But stick with us, folks. We all have lots to learn from Lisa Sharon Harper. She's a trusted source. I've done enough talking. Let's get started. Shall we? Welcome, Lisa Sharon Harper to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Thanks so much for joining me on such short notice.
0: (laughs) It's really, really great to be with you, Nick. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm honored to be here.
1: Oh, well, Geez, the honor is all ours. And and unfortunately, I mean, I'm I, I you were on my list of people to have on eventually. And I have always have tons of guests like in the queue and people I'm going after. And it's it's hard scheduling it all. But I I reached out to you a couple of days ago for a very unfortunate and specific reason. Mm-hmm. Because once again, our country is in the middle of some incredible uh, turmoil. And we'll get into that in the next hour. There's so much going on, but, but I really wanted to, I moved around some podcasts cause I was like, this has to be a conversation piece next week. We need to figure out uh, basically, you know, I, 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 described before we even got on the show, like how every few episodes I kind of have an expert on someone that can teach us and that can kind of point us in the right direction. That's how I see this conversation going. Now you've, you're definitely a damn giver in your own right. And you've done some amazing things and we'll talk about those, but I'm really hoping uh, Lisa, that you can just help us today uh, with, there's a lot of white people listening to this show. There are a lot of people that probably, there are some that are probably, I think, taking the smart route and they are not um, voicing their opinion too much about the looting and the rioting or otherwise. And they're simply supporting and standing in solidarity. But there are a lot probably that have opinions. I've spent the last couple of days, I'll be honest, on social media uh, with friends of mine that are cops, with uh, w- you know white people that haven't said they haven't said a damn thing really about George Floyd's death. Maybe a quick passing thing, but they're super concerned about the looting and the rioting and how terrible that is. And why aren't I speaking up about it? So there's so much going on right now. Emotions are flying high, and I can't imagine what uh, people of color in this country, specifically black people, are going through right now. I just can't imagine. I too am. I'm Guatemalan, so I'm not white, but I'm kind of a pasty Guatemalan. And so I I kind of fit in with everybody else right now. But um, before we get into the hard stuff, for people that don't know who you are, can you give us sort of an introduction to all things Lisa Sharon Harper, kind of give, where are you from? Who are the people, places and things that made you who you are today? Let's start there and we'll go from there. I know that's like a super small question. (laughs)
0: That could literally be its own its own broadcast give, right us, there. give us the
1: short version, and then we'll do years. another one, yeah
0: <laughs> okay, well, I mean and part of it honestly is because whenever i think whenever anybody asks me that, um it's very, very difficult for me to say who I am without referencing my ancestors, because I literally know, according to science, I actually am them like there's they are literally in me. I'm a very big genealogy, like yeah person um, and my next book is actually literally going through 10 generations of my family and and discovering in order to mine how they've actually influenced who I am and and not even that how they've been how they've been impacted the world you know by the world so you know so my my story in America I don't know my pre-america story mm. my, my American story began in 1662. Mm. And um, and 1667, when the first um, immigrants that I know of came to were came one came, the other was brought to America. One came from um, Ireland, but they were actually Scotch Irish, and the other one came from Senegal. And they actually met here in Maryland and fell in love and had an affair because the woman was the Irish woman was married, um, and uh, and then their baby ended up being, I guess, my, my 10 times great grandmother. And, you know, so I think that there's, there are what, um, Bobby Clinton, author of making of a leader and focused lives and several other books on leadership. He says that God gives everyone sovereign foundations. Mm. God gives everyone, uh, foundations upon which they stand at birth. So in other words, that, um you didn't earn it, you didn't work for it. Right. This is literally just this is the world you're born into, and those sovereign foundations are the are are in some ways a marker of who you will be, because um, this is the ground you were you were raised on. So for me, the ground I was raised on is um, or sprung from, I guess is a better way to put it, is from a family that was has I mean deep 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 investment in this country like literally built the country and have literally been here since the first Africans or among like within the first 50 years of African Africans being in America, we were here. Um, and then uh, at least according to the, our oral tradition in our family, we have connection to the indigenous um, people of Southeast um, North America. And then also according to DNA, which, you know, you don't go talking a lot about that, but it's true, um, indigenous roots in South America. And that, I actually know exactly where that comes from from my grandmother, my, my dad's side. So, so, you know, my mom says, she looks at our, our, you know, our DNA map, our DNA little pie chart thing, and she goes, you know what this is, Lisa? I said, what? She goes, it's a map of the slave trade. Mm. That's, what, that's what I am. <laughs> I am my body. I'm a map of the slave trade. That's Mm. what I am. Um, so it's hard for me to go into a room full of people who are really privileged and kind of used to whining and dining and being comfortable about everybody to go. And I go into that room and I talk to the first person and I, and I, I sense immediately the discomfort because in my body I carry America's history. Like I am myself a revelation of America's history. Um, and, and so is my family, if you go back on every, on every side, um, it's, there are different strains of that history that reveal, um, reveal the breaks, reveal the sin, reveal, reveal the ways that um, we have, that I was going to say we failed each other, but there was never an intent to do good to each other. There was no failing each other because there was never an intent to do good. Wow. The intent was to dominate. The intent was to exploit the intent. The the intent was to eradicate, um, in various, you know, various parts of my family, but we survived, you know, and that, that we survived in my body and in the body of the current generations that, that now walk and lead and dream and love among us. Um, so, in short, <laughs> that's who I am. But also, I'm a writer and an author, um, a playwright and an author, um, a poet and an activist, um, I, I a business uh, woman and also, um, uh, what's it and I mentioned, <laughs> a consultant. That's a lot of stuff right
1: there. I know, um, but it's not
0: real. I mean, it really is true. And so, you know, you got to say what it is.
1: Before I go back to you, the ancestry stuff that you brought up, playwright, what is mm-hmm. what? What are you working? I know most people don't to, know that. I'm that's that's very exciting.
0: <laughs> no, but it's very true. I was I was a playwright before I was a oh, theologian. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Public theologian is what I'm. Right? So before I ever got into theology or anything like that, I was a playwright, and I got my master's in playwriting at USC in LA. And my play, and push the wind down, not the but the, da, and push the wind down is the story of. Um, it's actually this. I should say this is my first my first major play, um, and it was the story of Nellie, an, an escaped enslaved girl who runs with her mama from the plantation in South Carolina. But they, her mama, actually ends up dying in the woods um, as they're being chased, and she ends up. She says she gives her a roll of napkins um, and says, take these and don't let nobody read them but you. And they end up being her mama's words to her. Um, And but she can't read them because she's enslaved. And so it's illegal for her to learn to read. So she can't read them. So she ends up running and she runs and turns west by accident um, and ends up running into a Cherokee village in Georgia where she's taken in and taught to read. And she finally does read that, read those napkins. And the last moment of the play is the first moment of the Cherokee Trail of Tears. Um, And my, my, it really was inspired by, not based on, but inspired by my family's oral history of having had connection to the Cherokee Trail of Tears. Um, Someone in our family, I can't, I'm not, I think I know who it is. But someone in our, in my family, um, on my grandfather's side, I think it was my grandfather's grandmother, um, was Cherokee, um, and or Chickasaw, <laughs> and um, escaped the trail, or escaped going onto the trail, and hid up in the mountains in Kentucky. Wow! Um, and they they show up on the census for the very first time in eighteen fifty, um, and that makes sense because the trail happened in 1838 so they would have been hiding and not done the census in 1840 so but then they were hiding under the assumed identity as white because nobody wanted to be taken you know to the end of the trail and um yeah there's a whole story with that
1: <laughs> is there any way that i could ever read that
0: oh yeah absolutely you can get that now that you that can? is actually yeah it's called and push the Wind Down. And it's published by Samuel French. I'm
1: gonna go um, find it. Play
0: publishers. Yeah, that's,
1: that sounds just. I, there's so much more. I want to. I want to. You know. I want to read the whole entire thing. Yeah, uh, but you mentioned the Cherokee Trail of Tears, uh, and right at this table that I'm at yesterday, Charles Robinson from the Red Road was oh, sitting with yeah. me, and we were smoking cigars, okay. and we recorded a podcast conversation while wow, smoking. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Thank
2: you
0: guys.
1: I. I love cigars, and he does too. <laughs> no, so sure. he he and two of his kids came and sat in my shed, and we recorded the conversation. But I yeah. yesterday, you know, we had to reschedule because you had just an incredibly busy day. But I was sure. supposed to go right from that conversation to that one, and he was like, "Don't forget to tell Lisa." I said hi. Um, so anyway, you mentioned that, and I I almost forgot until you said that. But um, hi,
0: Charles. <laughs> yes, I'll tell him,
1: I'll tell him you said hi back, or hey, everybody will know that you said hi back. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think I've ever had anyone, when I've asked them, tell me the who, what, when, where, and why of your life went back 350 years. Yeah, that's right. But we should do that. Yeah, we and should. You, we, we, should be, we should be doing that. And I actually think, and, and I don't know if maybe we'll just go here right now, but I actually think that's part of the problem with what's going on right now. The very myopic kind of, so so right now people are saying they're looking at this one instance, Mm-hmm. especially white people. They're looking at this one instance. They are saying one black man was murdered in broad daylight for allegedly forging a check, something that no one should ever die for. And then subsequently all this looting happened, right? And there, and, and, and and we can see the videos, a lot of, they're busing people in. They're so, like the St. Paul mayor yesterday said they didn't arrest one person that wasn't from out of state. Like there's so much crazy shit going on there. So we won't even get into who's looting and why and all that stuff. But that's not the problem. They're Mm -hmm. looking at this one thing and saying, look at, you know, Target and Cub Foods and AutoZone and all these small businesses, blah, blah, blah. Like this is not okay. And like the reason you think it's not okay is first of all, you've never experienced anything that a black person has to experience every single day. But you are looking at this as one thing, one instance, on one day in, in one city in one America in one country.
0: This and that's is- willful. Let me just say, that's willful. It's not it's not like they don't know. And mean, we just a week before that had two. Yep. Two. The week before. Yep. This is this is not something happening in Iceland. This is literally a cluster of events that have happened. And another whole event happened the exact same day. Yes. In New York City. Yep. So you cannot you To do that is, I believe, honestly, to do that is sin. It is literally sin because what you're doing is you're lying. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to whoever you're talking to because you're trying to paint, you're trying to paint a world. You're using the structure of the, of your argument, which is willfully myopic, willfully focused in super, super tight so that you can't. Through the structure of your argument, it actually intentionally leaves out the rest of the context. It decontextualizes the events of the day. And that, you're right, it is the problem. And I'll tell you what, it's also the problem with our faith. So the the evangelical, the white evangelical faith has decontextualized brown Jesus, physically brown, politically black Jesus. Actually brown, political Jesus. Literally, yes. like literally. Yeah. Brown, politically black Jesus lifted him right out of the context, put him in a purple robe, gave him milky white skin and blonde hair and blue eyes, and then made him think like a Western Europeaner. Homeboy didn't do that.
2: Nope.
0: Homeboy, he was killed by Western Europeaners. Yep. He, that's who killed him. So, I, I really literally I literally believe it is a mode of operation that is violent. It has impacted our world violently. It has impacted the faith violently. And 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 honestly, it has done violence to the white soul. Because by by limiting, by lifting out, by decontextualizing not only the gospel. Not only what happened to Mr. George Floyd, but by decontextualizing their very bodies, their very selves, they have done violence to themselves. Because what they did when they came here, when they came here back in 1492, and then when the pilgrims were were here and the Puritans and they created in the, in the 1660s in Virginia, and then the 1670s and 80s. And my own ancestors who were here were direct, direct recipients of those first race laws that created the construct of whiteness. When they created that construct, what they did was they severed their own rootedness to land and people. And they made themselves white. Hmm. So they uprooted themselves. They are people without roots. And when you are a people without roots, you will be violent. Because you will violently try to maintain what sense of self you have. And the only sense of self given to anybody who claims whiteness is what whiteness offers. And the only thing that whiteness was created to offer Was the, was the belief that you as a quote white person were created by God with the divine right and unique capacity to exercise dominion in the world. In other words, to lead everybody else. Yep. As a person of European descent, you If as a white person, when you let go of your European heritage and you let go of the fact that you're Irish or Italian or German or or Scandinavian or Lithuanian or Russian, when you let go of that and you say, no, I'm white, which is exactly what they did throughout the whole 18th and 19th century. People fought, excuse me, they fought their way all the way to the Supreme Court, literally. To prove that they were white legally. Now, why would you do that? Why Mm. does it matter? It matters because the laws, as they were set up, only saw people who were declared white as the ones created to exercise dominion on this land. So, if you don't want to be a slave, then you need to be white.
2: Mm.
0: And if you're in between, you're nobody and you're a perpetual non-citizen. So you have to be white in order to be human in that construct. So when they created that construct, they created, they basically created a funnel into identity, less people,
2: Hmm.
0: people who have no roots and who will fight to the death in order to keep the one thing they have, which is the declaration that they were created to exercise dominion on this land unique, uniquely created in that way. And it it has permeated everything. So, I I mean, I really literally think that 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 has influenced everything. Yeah. It it uproots them from self. It uproots the scripture from the actual context of the Bible. Decontextualization is the project of whiteness.
1: I would venture to say that the last five minutes that that monologue you just gave perfectly plays into what you were saying before and what I was getting at, mm-hmm. which is that most people probably haven't heard that. That was that was a simple bit of context. That was five minutes of truth based on real historical facts and how things have progressed through the years. Yeah. And you're you're so right. It is willful ignorance for people to not know about this because the books are there. The lectures are there. The podcasts are there.
0: The news reports are there.
1: Everything is there, but it's, it's, and I've told this, I've said it very plainly to some people in the last few days. I said, if I'm going to be very honest, it's laziness on your part. Cause they've asked like, why, what, what can I do? And all that. And I'm, it's it's not, it's just laziness because you have the time to watch your Netflix shows. You have the time to nap whenever you want, whatever, like just name your, your leisurely activities or just name all the things you choose to do, the choose to make time for. And then when these things come up, we get excited, we get angry, we get outraged for a couple of days. And then when it's over, then, then we're back to normal, uh, even though things like George Floyd in Ahmaud Arbery and uh, uh, almost Christian Christian Cooper in New York, you know, in New York in the park. Like that could have almost been horrible. I mean, her, when I watched that video, I was so seething with anger. The way that she morphed her voice to make it sound like he was actively attacking her, totally. That was evil. I don't wish evil on her, but I am in, I am so fine with every, all the backlash she's getting right now because you put a man's life in danger. Cause you didn't want to put your damn dog on a leash. That was yeah. it. That was it. Yes. You didn't like that. Someone maybe namely a black guy, but at least you didn't like someone else telling you to put your dog on a leash in a place where they want your dog on the leash. There's birds flying around. They don't want dogs eating birds and it's just safer for everyone. And so anyway like the the like until the next thing happens they, 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 white people just keep going like this up and up and down we we we're, we're angry and then it's back instead of when there's uh maybe in, in the middle of these when there when there isn't the newest one in the in the news there isn't the newest one on Facebook take the time uh go take the 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 the, the go audit a class at your local college on you know <laughs> black history or whatever like there's so many things we can do and yet we don't. And so that's kind of what I, yeah, it's it really is just laziness to get outraged right now about all this looting and to not understand what is happening and why it's happening and why we don't even have to, you know, we I, it's right now I don't have, they keep, why don't you talk about it is what they keep saying over and over again. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't understand it. I don't understand the full context, what's going on. And I did this yesterday for my buddy. We were having beers And we were talking about some of the things that were happening. And I picked up the can of beer, the one that was closed. And I said, you know, if I I could take, and I don't even know if this is a good analogy, but that's what I was thinking in the moment. I take this beer can, there's pressure inside, it's carbonated. I can push on it and push on it and push on it, and then it's not gonna, it's not breaking yet. So I step on it, and then I'm gonna stomp on that at some point and it's gonna explode. And I, the one that put the pressure, the knee on the neck of this prop, this this, this can of soda or this this can of beer, I don't get to tell the beer where it goes when it explodes. Mm-hmm. I don't get to. Tell you don't it where get it to go. be
0: mad at the beer that I exploded. I don't get you to be freaking. Me. You freaking put your knee on our neck, yeah. and then you get mad that we that we fight back. Come on, now.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Come on. You know, in the words in the words of our current. Um, democratic uh, uh, person who's running for president. Come on, man.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just That's, love how he does that. I think he, he was he, around Obama a little too. Yes, well. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was that was a that was a learned phrase from oh, his uh, his buddy Barack. How are you? Like, very genuinely. Like, how are you feeling? And what is the sense you're like? These things keep happening. Some, in fact, I, I, one of my friends said today because I was ta- I was describing the whole like up and down that white people do right with the weeks in between the next thing and she and she stopped me and said no 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 stop like you're talking about the ones that get filmed every hour of every day this is happening somewhere in the U S it just doesn't get filmed yeah. so all that all that said like how how are you feeling how are you processing through all this it can't be easy
0: well I mean. You know, honestly, this is, I mean, I think where I'm at, and I said this too, I was talking with Leroy Barber earlier this week and Shane Claiborne and we're friends. We, we collaborate a Shane. lot.
1: Good friend, and, um, yes.
0: <laughs> hey Shane. Yes.
1: Um,
0: you know, I was talking with them and, um, I said, you know, and they they were in the same place. I said, you know, I don't have any tears left. Mm. I'm kind of done with the tears. I barely have any rage left. I'm not enraged. I, I mean, I'm in a cussing mood. So I think I've cussed more than I have in a while this last week, but it's more, I feel literally utterly determined, Mm. like utterly determined and take no shit. Yeah. Take none. Throw it right back at you. If you throw it, don't you throw me no shit? Yeah. Because you throw me some shit. You're going to get some on your face. Yeah. Because um, it's clear to me. What is, what is, what is the shit and what is not. And I will let you know if you're throwing shit. Yeah. And so I, because we don't have, I don't have a second to waste on your shit. Not you.
1: <laughs> no. Maybe I'll give you some you shit that you don't want to take. No, I get your point. I do get your no. point. Yeah. I don't no, have I- a
0: second to waste because people are dying yeah. because my people are dying because my dad, because my brother because my brother-in-law because my because both my brother-in-laws because my nephew any one of them because my mom because my sister because i could be the next person i could be the next Brianna Taylor
1: mm-hmm. she
0: wasn't doing anything wrong she was in her freaking bed yep she was in her bed
1: I think that's the frustrating thing, right, is that, you know, I I posted a photo, or I saw and posted a photo a little while ago of this older woman, 1965, Selma, Alabama, ho- po- holding up a sign that said, stop police killings. Yeah, right. That yeah. was 55 years ago.
0: Yes, yes. Not a
1: damn thing has changed. Like literally nothing, nothing has changed in yeah. 55 years. I've seen some some people posting online, you know, we've seen a lot of things posted online, but they, 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 uh, uh presented something and I didn't really have a pushback for it. In fact, I was like, maybe that's, they were like, let's abolish the police force and start over. Like, well, this that's is, me.
0: I said that. It, yeah.
1: Well, I, I don't <laughs> know if I saw yours or not, yeah. but I'm, but this is not working. And I have great friends that are, that are police officers. And I've had lots of engagements with them and they are having conversations within their team and to their sergeants and their captains and their chiefs. And their na- like saying that, like, just so we're clear, that was not okay. The dude should, needs to go away for murder. Right? So there's, I, I know there are good ones in there. Know it. I know it. I, I know a lot of them personally. The system as a whole needs to go.
0: Listen, what I said yesterday is what I'll, I'll, I'll repeat here for your audience that When you plant a tree, a fruit tree,
2: Mm.
0: and that tree bears fruit, it's not enough to take the bad apples off the tree, right? Mm. It's not enough. You have to understand what kind of tree is this. Now, I know it just mixed metaphors, but if, if you have to understand you're getting this fruit, and if that fruit is consistently coming from this tree, it means the problem is not the fruit, it's the tree.
2: Yeah.
0: It's the tree. That's you, good. you got to ask what's the seed, what seed did, what is the seed of this street and what was the intent when it was planted? Because the thing is, it's too consistent. It's too consistent to be a bad apple. It's too consistent to be, um, uh, not intentional, right? So when you go back and I'll share with you the history of the police department. I mean, when you go back to how the police happened, what, what what's the seed? The seed was slave patrols. Mm. That is, that was the seed that planted the police in the United States of America. There were no police for hundreds of years here until slave patrols. And slave patrols weren't even technically the police. They were slave patrols. They had, you know what? They they wore um a star. They wore a star that is an exact shape as the sheriff's badge now. Wow. That's and it said slave patrol. And after the end of the Civil War when Civil War ended, that star got transformed into the sheriff's badge. Do you hear me? I do. So, what is the slave patrol? A well, slave patrol was Basically, a bunch of people who banded together after um, thousands, there were thousands of of revolts by people who were enslaved throughout the South. Thousands, not only Denmark Vesey and um, the Cato Rebellion and other rebellions that happened in South Carolina and others, but literally thousands of of revolts, especially after the end of the Atlantic slave trade in 1808, when at that time, it also coincided with the rise of of um, king cotton in the South and the invention of the cotton gin, which did not deep um, cause the need for less enslaved people, but actually caused the need for more because they were producing more cotton, and so they needed more enslaved people to pick that cotton and to begin to you know pick it apart and all that. so you start having breeding farms. Let's go. Let's be real, y'all. Throughout all of of, um, Virginia, Virginia became the main place where they had farms. They literally created plantations that existed to breed people. Sit in that for one second. And it wasn't just Virginia. It was all of the states. But Virginia was the main provider of human beings that they had bred to the whole south so when you have breeding farms that are breeding people to be sold into the deep south and in that deep south they are then whooped silly if they try to escape which every human being tries to escape a lack of freedom you're going to have rebellions and that's what happened you had Thousands of rebellions or at least a thousand rebellions that happened across the whole South between 1808 and 1850, 1860 when the Civil War started. So that's why the slave patrols started, because they were afraid of black people killing them in the middle of the night or leaving, stealing their, quote, property from them by escaping. So, after the Civil War, when there are no more, in quote, slaves, and it was for nine years, it was actually okay. You know, they we had the National Guard down in the South, and they were they were keeping the peace. But then there was a big compromise that was made, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Harding Compromise that was made in um, 18, uh, 1877, 1878, and it basically the the democrats the north just said okay we will pull the troops out actually it wasn't democrats it was the republicans we will we will um, pull the troops out of the south and you can deal with your race thing in your way in exchange for you cooperating with us as in in the union Mm -hmm. and they did that and that's when jim crow happened that's when that, that's what started the flood of more than 4,000, some now estimate up to 5,000, or even up to a little beyond 5,000 people dying within the next 90 years. Not even 90, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. But from 1777 to, to 1950, so it was like, well, like 80 years or so. Yeah. So you have this period where now with Jim Crow, where the police, the slave patrol, the same people who were the slave patrols now are, they have a badge on their chest placed on their chest in order to what? To keep those black people in check, to make sure they, they work for us for near free, to work to make sure, and also to, to round them up off the streets and put them in back into now new prisons And those prisons, which did not exist before the the Civil War, but now exist, um, they exist in order to take advantage of the 13th Amendment, which gives you the ability to enslave a person in the United States under one condition, that they are imprisoned. Oh, now we need to build prisons. And now we're going to round them, we're going to lower the bar of of criminality, we're going to sweep them up, we're going to put them on the plantations, and that's the job of the sheriff. That's the job of the slave patrol, that, I'm sorry, that's the job of the new police. So now we have Jim Crow, and that goes all the way through the 60s, really, well, all the way through, yeah, through, through the Civil Rights Act when it's ended. And now you have, from there, about a, a 10-year period where we were somewhat free trying to figure out what this freedom looks like, and then you get mass incarceration, right? So now you have Again, they lower the bar of criminality, this time focused on drugs, and the police are doing the same thing. They're patrolling Uh the streets, not to enforce the law, not to enforce the law, but to enforce white supremacy, to enforce white flourishing, because they are not patrolling the white streets looking for law infractions. They're not. They're still not. Look what we have. We have, before our very eyes, on the evening news, we are watching the president pardon traitors. People who sold out the entire United States to another freaking nation. Mm-hmm. And they get, they're get they walking free. Meanwhile, George is dead
1: mm-hmm.
0: because he forged a $20 check maybe
1: yeah and meanwhile our prisons are chock full of our jails are full of people that can't post bail our prisons are full of young men who uh smoked weed sold weed did some you know whatever it is right something that white people can do all the time and talk about on TV and talk and about sell. and 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 sell i mean there like there's not i mean how many uh, uh, actors and stuff get on night shows and talk about, you know, I have no, I have no opposition to weed. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying they can get (laughs) on there and talk about how they, they smoke weed all the time. And yet our prisons are full of black people because of that very thing. And so, and yes, and then our president pardons, like you said, actual traitors, traitors of this country, uh, friends of his pals, you know, uh, to, you know, because of COVID and other things, we want to keep them safe. You know, they're not safe in there, you know, um, it's horrible
0: See, that all comes from a fundamental belief in a hierarchy of human beings. sure yes that's where this comes from and that's where the, the the construct that we call the police department comes from it is that's the seed the seed was to enforce that so where whatever when i don't care when that seed is planted whether it's planted In the antebellum period, whether it's planted in the Jim Crow period, whether it's planted in 1980s or 90s or 2020s, that seed is going to bear the same fruit everywhere, every time, because that's what it was created to do. And that is what it's doing. And that is why our babies are running on the streets now, lighting shit up.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because they're saying no more. So I actually did post at the beginning of this week. I think it was on Monday when we first saw the videotape of um, uh, of I want to call him King George. <laughs> of, I love that, Mister um, George Floyd. When we first saw the videotape of of his death, I just said, "You know, I, look, I've, I've, I have literally lived lived through too many riots. Yeah, too many uprisings. I was there in the middle of Los, of La 92.
1: That's what I was going to ask if you were there for that. Cause you said 13 I was, years. Yeah.
0: I was there on the place on the corner where the flashpoint the second day at the point at the time when it flashed and I lived through the cleanup. I lived through the whole thing and it had the same cycle, the same cycle as all the rest, except Ferguson. Ferguson was more Ferguson. Ferguson was amazing in terms mm. of the impact of the, of the organizers. They changed the story actually, but I was there in Ferguson. Um, I was there for not a prolonged period of time, but I helped to organize people and I experienced it for myself. And I was there in Baltimore again, there just to help organize some people in the church to engage. Right. But it's, it's the same fruit. Mm. It's the same tree and it's the same response from white Christians. And I, I use that, that term Christian lightly, quite honestly, sure. because what it means to be Christian is to be a Jesus follower. Yeah, And what I understand it means to be a Jesus follower is to be a follower of physically brown, politically black Jesus. There's only one Jesus. Yeah. There's not a thousand Jesus, there's one. And that one Was physically brown and politically black. And why does it matter? Somebody might be saying to themselves, why does that matter? She's saying he's brown. You know, why is she like, it matters because of his context.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because he was in his context, he was a part of a brown colonized people who at the time were being colonized by an explicitly white supremacist empire. Now hear me, that's for real. Aristotle was a student of Plato. Plato is the first person in Western philosophy that we begin to see craft this thing we call race. But for him, race was not about the skin color, it was about the metal that people were made of. Some people are made of gold, others are made of silver, some are made of copper, others, tin. Whatever metal they're made of determines how they will serve the polis, how they will serve society. Well, his student Aristotle, 10 years later, writes something called On Interpretation, where he's trying to figure out who is actually human. You know, what does it mean to be human? And he, he's talking about language, people, how people talk tells you how human they are. And so he has, all, he has all these pontifications about how language shows you how malhuman how they are. And scholars, many scholars now believe that what would have been in his head at the time, because it was somewhat common thought, was that to be fully human, according to Greco-Roman thought, was, well, it was to be white, to be male, and to be able-bodied.
2: Hmm.
0: So where does that put Jesus? He is male. He's a carpenter. So he's definitely able-bodied, but he's not white. He's not European. Mm -mm. This area was connected to Africa and Asia. This area was understood to be a part of, of that region. And it also was there before the words Africa and Asia actually even existed. Right. So they didn't understand themselves that way. So, so when Joseph and Mary ran to escape Herod and they needed a place to hide, they didn't go north to Lithuania. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they could have, they didn't go to, they didn't go to Rome. They could have done that. They went to Egypt because that's where they could blend in.
1: Hmm.
0: You hear me? hmm So.
1: It matters. And, so it matters so much.
0: It matters.
1: Physically brown, politically black Jesus matters a ton.
0: Yes. So when somebody tells me they're a Christian and I, okay, are you following Jesus? Oh, yes, I follow Jesus. No. Oh, no, no. Are you following physically brown, politically black Jesus? Because those words, every word that he said, you have to read differently than if you think Jesus wrote, well, said any of those texts in Starbucks. He didn't say any of them in Starbucks, not as a worker or an owner Hmm. or a latte sipper. That wasn't Jesus. Mm -mm. So context matters.
1: So what would it, uh, well, first of all, sign me up for whenever we really push to abolish the police force and replace it with something more just and more pure. So I'm I'm in because I think- we can't keep going this way. Anybody that looks at it now and says, "Well, we're making progress." Hell, no, we're not. Fifty-five years ago, and and four hundred years. It's this. It's just the same story over and over again. And we sh- we do know better. We know better. Mm-hmm. To going kind of coming full circle to our beginning conversation, like to to claim ignorance and to claim that we're just tr- we're all just trying and to claim that it's a few bad apples and to claim this and claim that. It's just pure, like, it's it's willful ignorance, and it's lazy.
0: Can I add something? Yeah. I don't know. And this this might get you in trouble with some of your, your base, whatever. Yeah, I don't go care. for it. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. You can't say you're trying if you voted for Trump in 2016 or if you didn't vote. You just can't. You can't. You can't say you're trying. You can't say um, we're getting better if you voted for Trump. You just can't. Why can't you? Because he's a white nationalist. You can't say things are gonna get better or we're trying to make things better racially when you vote for a white nationalist. You just can't. Mm-hmm. It's literally not possible. It's like saying that, um, that the air, that there's lots of, lots of oxygen in a room, saying there's claiming there's oxygen in the room, you should be able to breathe. Meanwhile, you have a freaking su- something sucking the air. You set this up. You set up something to suck the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. And you're claiming to all the people who are choking in that room, it's getting better.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, don't sense. you
0: know that this, this person that you voted into office is the same person who, within months of becoming, the, literally within one month of becoming the president, directed his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, to basically dismantle the Justice Department, the Civil Rights Department of the Justice Department, Civil Rights Office of the Justice Department, which was set up after the Civil War to protect formerly enslaved people.
1: Mm. Uh, Yeah, and not to mention within seven days of being in office, uh, instituting a Muslim ban, uh, I mean, literally seven days, June, January yeah. twenty, January twenty-seven, yeah, uh, like that. I, I, I agree with you. If somebody comes to me today and says, "I really screwed up in two thousand sixteen. I'm starting fresh. Please teach me." I yeah. then I'm like, okay, I'm, you're down. I'm down. I'm down for the down. cut. But if you're still into that, I totally agree with that. If you're still into what's happening and you think it's you, if you're still, if you still think that that man actually loves Jesus. Um, and if you think that he is the best person for not just Christians but all Americans, that is that is the that is some willful ignorance shit right there.
0: It is. I'm sorry. I just I gotta break it one more time because here's the thing: their justification for voting for him is not that they think he's a Christian. They don't. They know he's not a Christian. They have said that. They've mm. said. In fact, even Franklin Graham has said, "We know he's not a Christian." Their justification is that they think he's Cyrus. They think he's cyrus they think that he is supposed to be the 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 horrible king that actually does benevolent good right well friends i just want you to know in the in the span of uh of biblical in- interpretation and as we interpret that text nowhere nowhere in the text does it say that god wants you to vote for cyrus God doesn't, you have to own your vote. You have to own, your vote must come in line with your, with, with the, the king, the principles of the kingdom of God. And if your vote comes in line with the principles of the kingdom of God, and then God somehow brings Cyrus, well, okay, then it's an act of God. But if your vote brings Cyrus, that's not God, that's you. That's you. You own that. You can't hyper spiritualize that. Yeah. Who are you to say that God told you to vote for a white nationalist? When would you ever see physically brown, politically black Jesus vote for Caesar? No, Jesus said, Pray like this Our Father in heaven which was directly opposed, diametrically opposed, to the way that Caesar told people to call him, Father, Abba, Papa. That's what Caesar told his subjects to call him. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Directly diametrically opposed to Caesar, who told his people, I am the highest name. My name is the hallowed name. No, Jesus said, Father in heaven is the hallowed name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not Caesar's kingdom, God's kingdom, mm. God's will, not Caesar's will. Give us this day our daily bread. Not Caesar's daily bread that he would literally go through the through the streets of the city and had his centurions or, or other subjects, Throw bread into the crowds. That's how he, he dealt with his subjects because his centurions had already thrown salt all over the ground so that it couldn't grow anything in colonized areas. Mm. And they would be dependent on Caesar. So he threw bread to the masses to look like he was benevolent. No, not Caesar's bread, God's bread from the ground. Give us this day our daily bread, as we plant the seed and put it in the ground that Caesar has salted. Do you see?
2: Mm.
0: So, Brown Jesus is would not vote for Trump.
1: I agree. I agree. Then there's something. Spe- we're we're gonna shift gears here in a second because I wanna I wanna kind of. Kind of crescendo to a, a a really helpful note. Not that this has this has been really helpful people, but <laughs> but but some some things, some talks you've given, some ideas that you've put forth that I think really will put a bow on what we're talking about. But before we get there, there is it. It is so interesting. I mean, I've always seen people get very excited about their candidate. You know, like there's if if you think there's somebody that should be in. I mean, there was tremendous amount of excitement in two thousand. Uh, you know, 2008 when Barack Obama first black, like that's all, that makes total sense. But the fanatical nature, the over the top MAGA red, putting, you know, Photoshopping Trump's head on white Jesus' body, on, you know, on uh, uh, Hercules' body, like the fanatical nature that he has been able to create and stir up, especially Mm -hmm. among white evangelicals, It baffles me. I've studied people for 15, 20 years in my work Mm -hmm. and I am completely, no, I shouldn't say completely at a loss because I have some inklings, but it is, it is, (laughs) it is, it is unprecedented. It is. Uh, and, And I think you're right that they want this terrible but benevolent king. They, they look at – it's that, like that drug lord. What's his face? The, the 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 guy from the Narcos show where, like, he would walk how, – how did he keep people in line? He'd go by into these towns, pat heads, give some hugs, hand over cash, give them food. Oh, they're happy. He's this amazing – here's this incredibly wealthy, like, the world's never seen before mm. drug lord that mm. kept people – at his behest, that kept people coming back for more, Mm -hmm. whatever you say, whatever Mm -hmm. you want want us to do in Cyrus, that Caesar, the whole thing makes total sense in this context where they want him, they want Trump as Lord and savior. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. They want him to save them from. And
0: you know what they, well, save him from what? Save him from what? Say it.
1: The terrible liberals. I don't know. Progress. I don't know. What what were you going to say?
0: I think they want Trump to save them from a nation that is Browning.
1: Mm, Sure. Yes.
0: That, that nation, our nation, because I've seen it, I've been here now in DC for uh, this is, I I think I'm going on my ninth year. So next month we'll, we'll hit nine years. Um, And in that time, the demographic projections for the United States of America have actually gotten slimmer. So, you know, they used to say 2055, then they said 2045. Now demographers actually are looking at 2035 to be the year when the, um, no, there's arguments, right? So, but 2000, what they're basically saying is it's already here in our grade schools. That generation is here. Like in, in grade schools, the majority of children in grade schools are children of color. Yeah. So that it's already here among us. So give it just 20 years, 15, not even 20, 15 years. And that's, who's going to be voting.
1: Yeah. And they, and they can't stand the idea of that.
0: Now think about this with me for us, but what, just one second. And Go I want all your listeners to think about this too. Okay. Name a time. Name a time since the Roman era. When people who were white, were not ruling. I don't know of any. You can't, because it's they been... They don't exist. exist. It yeah. does, that doesn't exist. Um, there are places that fought off European sure, colonization, sure. like um, Egypt, actually, at one point, at turn of the century. But in terms of colonization, right, going and to taking over land and dominating. Um, that has been the project, the European project, for at least 2,000 years, and actually probably 2,300 years, if you go back to the um, Roman and maybe the Greco-Roman era, right? So since that time, that's been the norm of people of Europeans' descent's existence. But here's the thing. It's a sinful norm. It's not the way we were created to live in this world. We were created by God with every last human being being made in the image of God and created with the call from God to exercise dominion in the world. It is sin that led European nations to believe in their own supremacy And to try to then dominate the earth. And they did it pretty successfully for a long time. And now within the United States of America, which is Rome, right? It it is the current empire. And DC actually is our Rome or New York, depending on who you're talking to. (laughs) Um, We are now coming into an age where the, the, the center of empire in this age is now actually within 15 years going to have the majority of voters will be people of color. I think that, and it's not even just me, there've been polls about this. In fact, PRRI did a poll last year with the Atlantic that is really revealing. I'll share that. They did this poll and it was one of the widest swaths of polling that of, of, any polling agency, I think 30,000 people that they polled. Um, and they asked, they asked a lot of questions, but these two questions toward the end of it really stuck out to me. The first one was, um, do you long for the 50s, for the 1950s? Um, do you have nostalgia for the 1950s? And, and they, they cut it across multiple cross-sections. And basically, every single group, every single cross-section, um, said yes, except for people of color. People of color did not, right? But but white, all the white people did, um, white Democrats, white Republicans, white um, Catholics, white Protestant, white evangelicals, white everybody longed for the 50s except for no people of color longed for the 50s. None of the majority longed for the 50s, which is really interesting in itself, right? But then, because it's all, the 50s are pre-Civil Rights Act. Yeah, Right? Right? The fifties are Jim Crow. The fifties is when Emmett Till was, was lynched. So, but then the next one that they asked was, so within 35 years, um, we're going to have a majority people of color nation where the majority of people leading will probably be people of color. Do you think America will be better off or worse off when that happens? Okay. And across the board, everybody except for one group said better off all the people of color said we're going to be better off (laughs) right but the white democrats also said we're going to be better off the white um catholics said we're going to be better off these are by small margins sometimes but then others by large margins um the white um historic protestants said we're going to be better off only two groups said it was actually two groups said we're going to be worse off one was white republicans said we're going to be worse off but at an even larger margin white evangelicals said we will be worse off so you know what that says to me and i talked with robbie um uh uh, robbie johnson i believe his name is who who runs prri um public religion research institute and i asked him i said well you know does is this an indicator that maybe, maybe white evangelicals voted for Trump, not despite his white nationalism, but because of, their, of his white nationalism, that he is giving them what they want? It's not that they just want Roe v. Wade. It's not that they want, you know, um, uh, gay people not to be able to marry or whatever. What they want is a white-ruled nation. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. that fundamentally is what he promised. And that is fundamentally what he's giving them. And they, and that is fundamentally why the majority, 70%, are still with him.
1: It's a tragedy. It really is. I mean, it produces s- situations every day, like the video that was shared the other day of this lady in a park that approached a Puerto Rican family who they were just having lunch and playing music. Like, that's it. And she walked up and she cussed at them and she said, "This is America. We speak English here. Can you speak English? That's not American music." First of all, what the hell is even American music? That's just such a, that's just such an ignorant, stupid thing to say. But she went off and her her son had to come over and like pull her away, and she did not go easily. But but in there, she 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 peppered in, "Trump's gonna come and get you. Like Trump's gonna come and get you." Like she Wait. said, she said, "I'm gonna call the cops." And she said Trump's coming for you. And so that that dude can stand in the White House all day and say, I'm not a white nationalist. I didn't embolden them. You you misread what I said. But what these people, all tens of millions of people all around the US are hearing is we can get our white nation back. We can get our 1950s back. We can go back to the good old Andy Griffith sit on the porch sipping sweet tea nobody else that doesn't look like us around we can go back to that if we just push hard enough
2: right
0: right and the thing is the people who are trying to get back to that to get back to the era of sipping mint juleps you know on the on the southern porch in a rocking chair while a black person fans you yeah goes back mm. to the kitchen and makes your tea those same people are the same ones who who say that they're they're followers of Jesus? And That's why I ask, which Jesus?
2: Yeah, it's a good I question. Ask,
0: what what color is your Jesus? Is your Jesus indigenous, or is your Jesus um, uh, an uh, an imperialist? Is your Jesus a settler who settled somebody else's land? A plantation owner? Mm. Is your Jesus an explorer who goes off and explores? other lands and then brings the cross behind him in order to to religiously colonize the people and then the money to financially colonize the people and then the government and well the military to militarily colonize is that your jesus Hmm. who's your tree who's your jesus because friend there was really only one jesus what you are, what you say you're following is an illusion of your own making. And what you think you're going towards, which is this, this past that you can get back to, is an illusion. And you are moving towards that. You're moving towards that illusion, but that illusion is going to drive you literally off a cliff.
2: Hmm.
0: And you can see that most clearly. I think the clearest demonstration of that, manifestation of that right now, is the demonstrations. About being staying at home, you know, for COVID, which of course that was a week ago. Now we have demonstrations of another kind on the street. But all those demonstrations with all those white people out there without masks, all I could think was, and they're trying to support their president, you know, not having a mask on. Um, all I could think was, y'all are going to get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are. You are literally killing yourselves by being out here. You're ensuring by being out here, you are ensuring that we win in November. So, I mean, in some ways, thank you. But, but you know, in other yeah. ways, that's kind of the most dumb stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. You realize you are chasing an illusion. But they are so desperate, so desperate. And this is, and this gets back to the identity piece. They're so desperate to maintain the identity, to maintain the power of whiteness because it's the only identity they have. Because they renounced their connection to their ethnic heritage when they got here in order to become white. So when all you have is an identity that is rooted in your ability to exercise dominion on this land, and that's now being threatened by these foreigners or these savage black people, then you have got to fight for the death, to the death, to maintain your own sense of self. So it makes total sense to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, let's head in this direction as we finish up here. Mm-hmm. If people go to your website right now, they will see a quote. Everything wrong really can be made right. And mm-hmm. if they Google your name on YouTube, for example, there are, you know, this, a lot of the, 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 the topics for your talks are like the gospel and shalom. Shalom is kind of this, this all-encompassing piece uh, staying peaceful despite circumstances, how everything wrong can be made right. Give us some, we talked about some pretty intense things, real things, real shit that we have to wade through as, you know, as black people and white people. And we have to, we, we have to figure a lot of stuff out
2: and but, Guatemalan
1: and Guatemalan. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everything wrong really can be made right. Talk to us about yeah. that.
0: It's actually quite simple it's called repentance. It's actually very biblical. It's actually that it is that simple. Because we are human, we have the capacity to exercise dominion, to exercise agency, to make decisions that impact the world. That's literally at the heart of what it means to be human is to have that capacity to exercise agency. So if we Are able to to make decisions, and we did, that crushed the image of God in some and protected it in others, or that exploited creation rather than served creation or protected it. When if we can make those decisions, then we can make decisions in the opposite direction. We can decide to protect the earth. We can decide to cultivate, protect, and serve the image of God in every corner of our our communities and nation and world. It's repentance. It's very simple, actually. Hmm. So it is possible in so much as we are able to repent, in so much as we repent. The scripture is clear on this. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and come to me, confessing their sins. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. The image that's given to us in Psalm 85, Lord, Lord, you know, when, when are you going to come to our rescue? What what is it? When are you going to, to give us shalom? When are you going to give us peace? And then God says, I will give you shalom. And this is what it's going to look like. It's a declaration. It's not a question. This has happened. This will happen justice will shine will shine down and truth will rise from the earth it's powerful justice and peace will kiss there will be a time i believe because i believe my scripture there will be a time when we repent And that can happen now. It's supposed to start now. It's not supposed to be in some ever after life. Jesus taught us to pray. Our Papa in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth.
1: Yeah, I think we gloss over that too much, don't we? Christians are not Christians. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. And we have, we have all these grand, grandiose ideas of what heaven is like. Right. And we're, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's where there isn't any more injustice and where there is peace and where there is inclusivity and love and all these things. And we're told in that instruction on how to pray that we can have that here. And yet so many of us don't seem all that interested in figuring out how to get that done.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We, we think, Especially, un- in, especially and unfortunately, so many evangelical Christians, they think to hell with the earth because we've got this far off place called heaven we're going to. And we totally forget that one of the most key parts of our instructions on how to pray is to pray that it comes here also. Yes. And that yeah. we're supposed to work really hard to make that happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is in what you see, you see what you see of Jesus, brown Jesus, politically black Jesus is that at every turn, what he's really doing is he's subverting the the hierarchies of human belonging that were established by by multiple generations of enslavement. Multiple, they were serially enslaved the Hebrew people by multiple different um, empires: Babylon, Assyria, um, the Romans, the Persians. They were multiply serially enslaved, and so. When Jesus comes, he is freeing them not only physically by through through healing, but he's also freeing their minds hmm. to know that they can exercise agency in the world. I mean, to the Samaritan woman who, as a woman, she was somebody her own people prayed. To thank the Pharisees would pray every morning. Thank God I'm not a dog, you know, um, uh, a dog, a Gentile or a woman right and so but by the end of her conversation with jesus she is utterly empowered she exercises agency she runs back to the very people she was trying to avoid and she tells them what's what about jesus and then they all they all convert in a day they all become followers of jesus convert that wasn't really their term but you know what i mean they started yeah. following jesus um the way that jesus went about jesus's work was to go to the margins, to the people who were crushed by the empire, who were utterly vulnerable to the empire, and to say to them, you have agency, to actually make it possible for them to exercise agency. And then we see it work its way out in Acts. I just did a Bible study um, through um, our Freedom Road Institute. Um, We have uh, a really awesome four week webinar series that I just wrapped up that it's now you can actually get it on demand now, but um, we just wrapped it up. I think last two Fridays ago or two, sorry, last Monday. (laughs) Um, And we were studying acts two, one through, I think it's like seven or or 13, one through 13, which is basically the time when the spirit comes. I've never seen this before, but do you realize that there is a, a very clear movement of power happening in that passage? That it, the power goes from um, the Roman Empire out to all the people who are colonized by the Roman Empire? That, and the, the tongues was not a heavenly language. It was them speaking each other's languages. Languages that have been oppressed and suppressed by the Roman Empire, which only had um, Greek as its one universal language in the same way that we now use English. So that the the speaking of many languages was actually a liberating of the tongue, which is the first thing that needs to be liberated among people who need to be told you can exercise agency.
2: Hmm.
0: That's happening. That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does. The first. This is, our, this is what God is concerned about. This is what God came to do. Um, the way that I've, I've come to now articulate the gospel, what is the good news? It is that the king of the kingdom of God has come to earth in order to confront the kingdoms of men that are hell-bent on warring with God for supremacy and crushing the image of God in the process. So Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross was to absorb the violence of the empire, to absorb the violence of the colonizer as black Jesus, and then to rise. And as, because he beat death, then of course he could be every other power of domination that we have. Gender domination, domination of the earth, domination of the self through shame, domination across ethnic groups and racial groups. That is the power of the resurrection. And you see it work its way out through Acts, through all of Paul's letters, even to to Revelation, to the last chapter of Revelation, when you get that one tree in the That is now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is no longer there. It's only the tree of life. And that tree of life, the leaves serve for the healing of the nations, which have dominated each other. Mm. So what is the good news? The good news is yes, hell yes. Everything wrong can be made right because we are human, because we have the ability To exercise agency over ourselves, our tongues, our actions, our institutions, we can repent. But in so much as we decide not to, in so much as we're lazy, or in so much as we don't trust God's way to peace, we grab at it ourselves, well, then. You will always have the poor among you. Mm.
1: So good. We'll have to do a like round two sometime. Cause because <laughs> there's so much more. I, I mean, I, I just feel I feel uh yeah, deeply encouraged, deeply challenged. I know people listening again, even if they don't adhere to the Christian faith, like the the word and act of repentance isn't exclusive to Christians. It means you are faced with you're faced with a fork in the road, or, or or turning away from something that you know is no longer right is evil, right. and you make the active choice using your human agency mm-hmm. to turn away from it and go the other way. Yeah. So that applies to everybody, regardless of who you are and what you do and what you believe. We should That's all right. be repenting as we grow as Christians, as or non Christians as we grow as humans, as we grow in our knowledge. Like people in this conversation will have things to repent of afterward. Yeah. as you've been explaining and teaching and sharing different things that they, about the police force, about segregation, about slavery, about when, when your relatives came here through, like all of that stuff is they're faced with things. There'll be a lot to repent of and to mm-hmm. actively decide I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to start giving a damn more. I'm going to learn. I'm going to become a student and I'm going to, uh, um, yeah, I'm going to do things differently from here on out. As we wrap up, where can people, I'll put all this in the show notes, but where quickly can people find your stuff online? Where can they begin to follow who you are and what you do?
0: Well, you can follow me at um, lisasharonharper.com. That's my personal website where you can find out more about my speaking or if I'm writing, I'll post there a lot with my writing. Um, You can follow me also at freedomroad.us. Because FreedomRoad.us is my business. It's actually a fee-for-service consulting group that also has an institute. So if you personally want to grow, we've actually built out and we are building out this institute to offer opportunities for individuals to actually grow. Um, And so there are webinars. There are growth communities that are a little less structured than webinars, and there are coaching cohorts that are actually taking like handfuls of people on a journey through a course of a year or six months or that kind of a thing. Um, and, uh, and then you can also obviously follow and find me on, on Twitter, Facebook, and, and Instagram. i um, I love social media. So yeah.
1: Lots of great conversations to have there. Lisa Sharon Harper. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was super helpful. And uh, we're rooting for you and praying with you for the work ahead, the tremendous work ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. There may be some things that you didn't like about that conversation, friends, and I'm okay with that. I hope there was some enjoyment there, just hearing her wrestle through these things. I wrestled through these things. I hope you're wrestling through them. I hope you're learning from her and from these ideas. And I want you to wrestle, friends. Not that all of you are Christians. I, I, I know that many of you are not. But, I want you, but you are American, so you're very aware of this pasty, white, sanitized version of Jesus. I want you to wrestle with the reality of physically brown, politically black Jesus and not the sanitized, pasty, white, surfer version of Jesus that Americans have turned him into. Friends, don't put the weight on your black friends to educate you, to teach you, to lead you. I'm not talking about this conversation. Lisa Sharon Harper is putting herself out there. But your black friends are tired right now. They need your support. So don't go to them and ask them to explain the last 400 years of history to you and why things are the way that they are. There are so many podcasts, books, people to follow on social media. You go do the hard work of finding those things and diving in. Yes? You can follow Lisa on social media, Lisa S. Harper, and visit lisasharonharper.com to find all the amazing stuff she's working on, including more about her company, Freedom Road. And you can find Let's Give a Damn on all the socials at Let's Give a Damn. You can find me on all the socials at Nick LaPara. And please hit me up at hello at letsgiveadam.com if you need anything at all. This show is produced by me, edited by Chad Snavely, and the music is by our friend Propaganda. We are part of the Matter Media family and we're grateful for their partnership. Please share this episode with a friend or two or 10, especially during these times. People that, if they come to mind and you think, oh, they they should listen to this, or they need to listen to this, send it to them right now. And if you have two more seconds, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Coming out with us next week and the next and the one after that, tons of great conversations coming for you. Please, please, please wrestle through these ideas that you heard today. I'm sending you lots of love and light. Keep giving a damn. Peace, my friends.